welcome to the first uh, episode of Hughes Interviews for 2022. How do we get here? But here we are. I'm joined uh, by a very special guest today, an old friend of mine, Mr. Samuel Ward, who is currently playing Henri Barrel. 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 In an American in Paris. He's just fresh off his opening night. And thanks so much for joining, Sam. No problem. Good to be here. Yes, good to have you here. Um, so, Sammy... Um, Let's just get into an American in Paris, first of all. Uh, for people who don't know too much about it, what's your, your, your elevator pitch for it? So, it's based on the 1951 Gene Kelly movie, um, where he did most of the choreography, also starring Leslie Caron. Um, basically, an American GI stationed in France decides not to go home, um, stays in France, falls in love with a French ballet dancer whose name is Lise de Saint. Um, who is part of sort of like a love quartet, if you will. So mm. there's Jerry, which is the Gene Kelly character, my character, Henri, who is uh, the son of a rich French fabric manufacturer, and Adam, who is uh, loosely based on George Gershwin, who is an aspiring composer. So they all unknowingly fall in love with the same girl, and then shenanigans ensue. Oh, I suppose. love shenanigans. Mm. Right. And it's all Gershwin music. It's all Gershwin music. So, oh, um, yeah, it's stunning music. Yeah, it is very beautiful music. So you're getting some favourites um, from their catalogues in there. Yeah, it's got your favourites. It's got I Got Rhythm. It's got It's Wonderful. It's got Can't Take That Away From Me. And on top of that, it's also got a lot of his orchestral stuff, like his second Rhapsody that people don't really know about. Obviously, the the ballet that the show is named after, the American in Paris, Paris Ballet, um, and also some of his piano concertos are featured in it as well as sort of like underscoring for ballets and things like that. And I'm guessing it's um, the, the quality of the, the dance is pretty outstanding. Yeah, so it is, it's a co-production with the Australian Ballet, which is kind of a first in Australia, which is really exciting um, because... On Broadway, you can kind of find Broadway performers who have had that level of ballet training, but it's just not as common here. So it was kind of a really clever idea for our producers, GWB, to sort of team up with a ballet company and sort of outsource that talent pool. <laughs> yeah. that it's just so rare to find ballet dancers who can dan um, who can sing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. So, um, so not only are you getting these incredible, you know, golden era um, music, but you're getting some of the best dancers in the country as well. Yeah, I'd say it's probably one of the most stunning dance shows I've ever seen. I actually saw the show on Broadway in 2015. Oh wow! With the same two leads that I'm now performing <laughs> with. So, which is kind of a bit of a full circle moment. But did you did you see that show thinking that you'd love to be in this sh show? I never thought in a million years that I would get into this show because. I mean, this is my first lead role in a show, mm. so that in itself is quite exciting, but um, I assumed that they would have cast someone a bit more established in my role because it isn't one that requires such a high level of dance. Mm. So I thought I could probably cover the role, but in order to do so, I would have to have that high level of dance training, which mm. I just don't possess unfortunately <laughs> it's not for everyone that's for sure i'm right there with you <laughs> um but hey well, let's talk about the audition process then uh seeing as you mentioned it's your first major role now you have done a, a, a slew of other shows but i mean you're really a, basically a headliner at this one which is fantastic yeah it's kind of cool so the audition processes was kind of nothing like i've done before mm, so, so it was, was in lockdown it was during lockdown um i never met the creative team in person until my first day of rehearsals so the entire thing was done 
with videos and Zoom, mm. which was the first for me. Mm. Um, so the first one I submitted a tape for Henri, my character. I did two scenes and a song. Um, from there, I got requested to do a work session with the American Creatives, um, which was Hannah Ryan, our Australian staging director, Dante Keane, the American associate director, Teresa Borg, the resident director, and Vanessa Scammell, who was their MD. I had a Zoom with all of them. Um, we just had some little adjustments on the scenes. I did them again and then um, did another tape with the same material. So it was the same material the whole way through, mm. which is kind of fun. Yeah. So it means, means you can really actually like sort of get your teeth into it a bit more. I think that. with a lot of these commercial shows, you'll go in and they'll give you 11 scenes over the course of weeks and weeks mm. and weeks of auditions. So it was kind of nice to be like, these are my scenes and I just have to learn these. And yeah. And so I submitted my second tape, threw it into the self-tape gods. And then a few <laughs> weeks later, um, found out I had the job, which was oh, kind wow. of cool. So you only did a couple of rounds. Yeah. It was only, yeah, it was essentially three rounds. Wow. Which was kind of wild. That's oh, wild. and I also had to submit like a little self-tape of a little tap combo because mm. my character does have to do a little, a little bit of tap, um, which I filmed in my living room without tap shoes on because I didn't want to wreck my floorboards. <laughs> and I actually had to redo it because I, my living room's really small mm. and I sort of cut the bottom of my feet off. Oh no. And they were like, the they were like, we can, we can hear the beats, but we need to see your feet just yeah. in case you, you've, you've faked it. Yeah. You've, you've got like a bit of like a fork and a spoon on a table yeah. and like tapping it, something like that. That'd but be, yeah, it was, it was a very, very, um, lean audition process mm. which i loved so when when was the time frame for this audition was it um, like 2020 yeah or no it was 2021 so it was quite late i think i only found out i think i only sent off my first self-tape i want to say in august mm. maybe and then i found out i got the show in october wow so it was really around. quick yeah. yeah um so we but, were still in lockdown in october so i was gonna yeah say, I, was I was where were you when you got the call so yeah, actually <laughs> um I spent a lot of the second half of last year touring with the 10 Tenors. Oh, of course. So um, when I found out I got the show, I had escaped Melbourne lockdown because we had to do some shows in Perth. Mm. So I'd just done two weeks of quarantine in Perth and it was 20 minutes before our first show in WA. I was ironing my shirt for the show and then my agent called me and said, you got the job, kid. (laughs) And so that was... Pretty, yeah, I was pretty happy to be on stage that so day. So, is that the biggest smile you've ever had as a 10 tenor then? I, yeah, I, I dare say. If, <laughs> like, it'd either be that or my very first show with them. But mm. I think, yeah, it was a bit of a weird moment having, like, gone from full lockdown mm. to quarantine mm. to, like, reopening a show and then finding out you had your next job, which was sort of your most lucrative so far. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you already mentioned the 10 tenors. Let's mm. stick with that one. So, what's. Um, What's it like joining a group that's so well-established and coming into that kind of environment? And not only that environment, but also touring around mm. the world with, with that group. So I love, I love performing with those guys. Um, so I actually auditioned for them uh, earlier. I auditioned for them first in 2018, I think. They were advertising for, I think it was a Christmas tour. Um, and I didn't get in the first time. So I think what they were looking for was like a proper bass. So even though they're called the 10 tenors, obviously someone has to sing the lower harmonies. So I had to do some crazy thing, like some bass part of an acapella arrangement of all I want for Christmas is you. Mm. 
and then jump straight onto like the first verse of Bohemian Rhapsody. So I was like, beg your pardon. Yeah. I was like, you're asking me for some very varied <laughs> things here, but I mean, that is kind of part of the gig. Like you have to jump from opera to BGs to queen mm. to Jersey boys to opera again. So, um, it really requires a really high level of versatility or a level of fakery, which is kind of what I possess. <laughs> um, but it's, you kind of think about a big singing musical, which is kind of where my wheelhouse is. Like if you've got your Les Mises, your Miss Saigons, your Phantoms, you call it like in inverted commas, a big sing. You might sing how many songs? 10, 12 songs. So a 10 tennis show, you sing 25 songs and all of them, oh, wow. are, all of them are enormous. Yeah. So it's a good training ground. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really gets your endurance up there. And so coming into American in Paris where I'm in five songs, <laughs> like I am walking the park. Yeah. Right? I am the, like, I have the biggest sing of the show, some would argue. Um, but compared to a 10 tennis show, I'm like, oh, this is, this is nice. Mm. This is comfy. Mm. Yeah. Um, but- Whereas, I guess you get to actually do some more character work and acting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Ten Tennis is much more performing as Mm. myself and sort of figuring out what my own stage persona is. Whereas, American Paris, so much of the work is in the text and Mm. like the character and, as you said, the acting. Mm. Um, But you're going back to Ten Tennis, you asked about touring and that's kind of a really fun part of it. I mean, obviously, touring can be hard, but my first ever tour was... um, we did a four week Christmas tour in the U S and the 10 of us lived on a tour bus. Oh, wow. So, so like a real rock and roll. Yeah. Of it was like a real, real rock and roll tour vibe. So it was huge. It was like a massive school bus. There were two living rooms on it. There was a kitchen. There was a toilet. There were 12 bunk beds where we all slept in the bus. Yeah. Jesus. The big bus. Yeah. It's a massive bus. And so, I mean, you get to know, you get to know each other very, very quickly, <laughs> yes. which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, those boys, 12, those 12 boys, boys on a bus sounds like a yeah. smelly adventure. No, it was 10, but we had two, <laughs> two bunks for bags and stuff. Ah, so okay. yeah, but yeah, it was a bit, a bit stinky sometimes. <laughs> Especially on an, on an American diet. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That Walmart, it'll get you. It'll get you. It'll yeah. get you. Um, great. So and you've not only been around America and Australia, but um, I, I guess with the 10 tennis as well, it's kind of like it's small snapshots of touring yeah so how's how's it been doing um a several month stint in a different like um for american, for Paris, american Paris, yeah for so uh, city we haven't actually been very we haven't really got very far into the tour yet so by this point from the original schedule we were meant to have done brisbane perth and adelaide mm-hmm. so we did we got to brisbane mm. and then 28 out of 32 of the cast got COVID in a week <laughs> So we lost a week of shows and it was only a three week run. Um, And at this point, this was kind of when Omicron started popping off a little bit. So what was happening in Adelaide is they had reintroduced density limits into theatres. And also Stephen Marshall had also encouraged people to stay home. So people just weren't buying tickets to it. And then um, there was a bit of um, unsureness about the WA border, which ended up being accurate. So. We were meant to go straight from Brisbane into Adelaide, into Perth, and they just sort of pulled the plug on those second two. We've since postponed Perth, so that'll be um, happening in July, and then they've just announced Adelaide for early next year. Great. Um, So that's kind of... Fantastic. Yeah, it's looking optimistic. Um, But yeah, we've really only done 
we figured it out last night. We've done 25 shows and we've been in rehearsal since mid-November. So like <laughs> it's, I don't think it's quite what the producers had in mind for this point, but plenty, plenty of show to come. Yeah. But I think Melbourne, Melbourne's looking pretty good. We're here for five weeks. We only right. opened last night and then Sydney will be there for two and a half months. And then Perth by July, I think we'll have sort of mm. gotten over this peak that they're sort of currently, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Well, enough on American and Paris. Let's uh, touch on a... Actually, let's go back to the start. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as long as I've known you, you've been performing. And I know you did so Starbound during high school. But did you... When did you catch the acting bug? Was it singing first or what? Um, so, I was actually an instrumentalist before I even started singing. So, my sort of first experience with music theatre came when I was in year eight. So, to be in the school musical at my school, mm. you had to be in year nine or up. And my oh, school right. was doing Les Mis. Um, and at the point, at that point, I uh, was quite a proficient French horn player. <laughs> and so they were asking people to be in the pit orchestra. Yeah. And so I sort of said, yeah, I'll do it. Sounds fun. I didn't know Les Mis at the time. Mm. Um, and then I was just watching all these people around me doing their thing. And I was like, oh, I can't want to do that instead. Yeah. So from then on, I kept up the French horn till year 12. But instead of being an orchestra in the shows, I did the shows. Yeah, love that. And then in year 12, it was kind of when I started taking it a little bit more seriously because um, there wasn't really much of a singing culture at my school and because I'd done choirs all throughout school. Trinity, I thought that was a pretty choral school, wasn't it? They have the link with St Paul's Cathedral Choir, but it's yeah. not not so much of like a salt, like it's not like a Carey or a Scotch or Wesley yeah. where they have a massive music theatre program. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were choirs and things, but... It just, yeah. Very different. Yeah, to, very different yeah. to, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I did the school musicals from year nine till year 12. Year 12, I started sort of, I was kind of top dog because I was the only one who really... Had been took, doing it. Yeah, had been doing it. And so, like, my school did Sweeney Todd and I played Sweeney Todd, Amazing. which was, like, a role that I'd love to revisit at some point in the future. Um, For any uh, potential producers out there, keeps him in mind. Yeah, plus uh, <laughs> 10 years. Um and yeah, and so at that point I'd done, as you mentioned, Starbound earlier that year mm. and I was like surrounded by people. And so I was for like, people who don't know what Starbound is. Oh, okay, sure. So the Starbound is a, um, a summer program run by Jason and Georgie Parker um, where it's essentially a two-week workshop with performances at the end and instead of just doing a conventional musical, they just pick sort of big numbers from all these shows, but they get... Um, guest teachers in people like Simon Gleason and Michael Ralph and Donna Jolly and Ben Osborne. So leaders in the Yeah, sort of industry professionals to musically direct, direct, choreograph the numbers. And so it's a really amazing opportunity for young people to meet industry people and work in a really like high, 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 high caliber environment because you have to audition to get in and um, it's, yeah, it's taken very seriously and but it's like so much fun as well. Mm. So um, I did that at the start of year 12 and sort of really, really caught the, the theatre bug then. And because I was, there, as I said, there's not a huge music theatre program at Trinity in Wrighton, which was the school we did our musicals with. And so I was just surrounded by people that were obsessed with it. And mm. I was like, oh, I think I've sort of found my tribe a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so during year 12... I probably could have taken my study a bit more seriously because I was just like, I just want to perform all the time. Um, and so I finished year 12 and I was like, what am I going to do now? So I got into classical voice at Melbourne Uni and I also got into show fit. Hmm. 
And I was like, I think I want to do music theater. So let's do show fit. It's only a year. If I decide at the end of that, then it's not for me. Then like, I'm still only, I'm still only 19 years old. So plenty of time. Yeah. So dove head first into show fit, completely obsessed with it. Um, from there auditioned for VCA and Whopper, got called back for both. Um, then got, uh, accepted into the foundation program at VCA, which is where I met you when you were in first year. Yeah. Did that, which was a brilliant program because it was free and was only three days a week, mm. which meant I had time to work. I had time to go do dance classes. I had time to go have singing lessons, all that sort of stuff. And really sort of self-motivate through that year and figure out like, do I have the motivation to pursue this myself? Or is this something that I've been sort of relying on other people just turn like just yeah. turning up and just getting prodding you. In the yeah, right exactly. And so at the end of that year, I auditioned for VCA and Whopper again and mm-hmm. got into both. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'd already been at VCA for a year, I'm from Melbourne. I was like, well, better the devil, you know, I guess. So yeah, I did VCA and then, um, three years later, graduated. graduated. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was five years ago. Five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Five and a bit years ago now. Yeah. That's a bit scary. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I had that realization last year. So mm, yeah. Whoopsies. Um, but yeah, so, um, you would have been see, the year below me. So it was the first time that there was a full cohort. Yeah, which, which was, was kind of cool. cool. We were the the year that completed VCA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, how did you find the the study um, there? Was it heavily structured? So you're going back to, you know, having things kind of set for you away from the self motivation, or did you keep a good self motivating? Uh, it was, I think it sort of ebbed and flowed a little bit, obviously, because there's so many contact hours. If you just turn up and do good work in the classroom, that Mm. is probably 70 to 80% of the work done, but there is a lot of homework, which I mean, you'd know that, Mm. um, especially in second year, second year, just second year, the year, the year. Yeah. So whether it was like presentation class, which is where you get up and sing every second week, um, which you know, but for the sake <laughs> of for the, for the sake for, of, the, for the, listeners, listeners, for the listeners, um, and then acting through song and mm-hmm. scene study and Shakespeare and blah 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 comedy blah blah and comedy and, and yeah, and then when we got thrown into Forty Second Street as well, yeah. on top of that, so our, we were the ensemble in um, Lockie's third year show, and that was that was really great too, but. It's just a heavy workload. It is a big workload. A heavy, heavy workload. I remember when we did Little Abner, so when I was in second year mm-hmm. for the third years, um, every Tuesday during rehearsals, man, we were there from 8 till 9. So 8 a.m. till 9 p.m. Yeah. It was wild. Big wild. days. Big, big days. Um, wouldn't trade it for anything, though. No, but you love it. You do it because you love it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so post-graduating, you've done a, a few things here, like... Uh, uh, falsettos, mm-hmm. beautiful game. I yeah. had your debut in another big sing show, the Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like doing your um your debut for a, a you know a classic Lloyd Webber mm-hmm. musical? Um, so that was kind of cool. So it's actually in the same theatre as I'm performing right now. So oh, it's kind of a bit circle. of a. I made my my <laughs> professional Melbourne debut at in the State Theatre doing JC, and now I'm making my debut as a lead back in the same theatre doing American in Paris which I love. Um, it was a production company show, so we had a really short rehearsal process. Um, I knew I loved the show, and I was cast as one of the priests, mm. which I kind of wanted because, um, as I said, not the strongest dancer, and so it was But a they bit get more, some good, juicy vocals. They so. get some great vocals. So um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to sort of think back because that was five years ago, hmm. which is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, it was great to sort of be amongst everyone because it was such a a cast of established talent already. So like so many people in that show had done so many things. So it was great to meet all of them. Hmm. Um, working with Gail was crazy because I'd seen so many things that she directed and loved so many of those. Um, our MD was amazing. And he was Anthony Gabrielli, who's kind of based in the UK, but, and mainly does like a lot of classical, that classic thing where you have like the film score played while the movie plays. He does oh, a lot wow. of those like all around the world. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love that. It was such, so great to like do a big show, like as your first show. Yeah. Yeah. To do one on that, that kind of massive production level. Yeah, exactly. And in like, the biggest theatre in the in the art centre. Yes. Yeah. And at home. As yeah. Well. At home. So, so many, like, so so many people I could come and see. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Um so you've done some great big stages here as well as little ones like Chapel Off Chapel, mm-hmm. but you've also performed on the seas. How yeah. was the cruise life? <laughs> that was awesome actually. Like looking back on it. Obviously, I wouldn't go back just yet because mm. COVID's still sort of wreaking havoc on the cruise ship industry. But um, I did Priscilla, Queen of the Desert with um, Norwegian Cruise Lines. Mm. So, um, flew over to Florida to do rehearsals, which was very cool. Had to go through the whole visa process, which was a real gig and get <laughs> okay. so much medical clearance done because obviously there isn't a full hospital in, on a ship. Like yeah. there is a medical facility, but... They need to check that you're healthy before they let you go yeah. over. Any pre pre existing conditions kind yeah. of you out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we rehearsed in Florida for three or four weeks. Um, flew to Barcelona to install the show, um, and then uh, we spent two and a half months in Europe. So um, our home port was Barcelona. We went to Naples, the port of Rome, oh, port near Florence and Pisa. Cannes in France in the French Riviera and Palma de Mallorca, which is an island off of Spain. That was our first itinerary, which we did 10 times. We then spent two weeks crossing the Atlantic um, on one cruise and then spent three and a half months in the Caribbean. So it was just beaches for days. So I came back a very, very tanned boy. Um, But doing the show was so much fun. Like, um, it's weird doing a show where you live because mm. I could walk from my room to the theater in about three minutes. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, very convenient. Very convenient. Um, I mean, if, if you sleep through your alarm, you're still going to make it on time. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and that show was so much fun. So it was a condensed version of the show. So it's just 90 minutes without an interval, mm. but it's all disco hits. It's all costumes from the movie. So it was pretty damn camp. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And is, what's the workload like? Are you doing a show a night there or? Um, so we would do two shows a night twice a week. So we worked two nights a week and then the rest of the time we had off. But you worked hard those two nights. We worked hard those two <laughs> nights, but I mean, it's th- it's six hours of work a week essentially. And then the rest of the time you can get off the ship, mm. go to Rome, really go to nice. the beach, do whatever you Check want. Check out the lights in the theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I made some incredible friends there because they take casts from all over the world. So mm. there was a bunch of Aussies in there, obviously, because it's an Australian show. There were a bunch of Americans. There was a couple of people from England um, and a couple of people from South Africa. Great. So, and that's kind of the thing about ships is there's such a melting pot of cultures so that you just are like, your dresser might be like a guy from the Philippines who works in the laundry on the ship, but is picking up 
dressing work to like earn a bit of extra money and sort of you chat with him and you chat with other people. Mm. And so it's so cool. And then, yeah, and I love doing the show and I love traveling. Yeah. Sounds like a great combination of oh, all yeah. sorts of things. I would, I would definitely go back in a bit. Yeah. I'm going to give it, and I'm going to let COVID settle a little bit more. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Um, but I, yeah, I just loved it. And because like your food's paid for, your accommodation's paid for, mm. you're getting wages, all that sort of stuff, you just save so much money. It's a great way to do it. Yeah. And mm. cheeky little thing, international waters, so no tax. Oh, there you go. That's good to know. Mm. Yeah. Very cheeky. Yeah, very cheeky. <laughs> uh, now, to close it out, I've got... Um, I've uh, You've done a very interesting kind of almost pushing the frontiers of musicals, in a way, with this VR musical you've uh, oh. lent your <laughs> voice and movement to. Yeah. Castle Gil- Gillian? Castle Gillian, yeah. Tell me more about that. That is fascinating. Um, so, it was during lockdown. I got a phone call from my agent, um, and he said, hey, there's this project that I've, I'm submitting a lot of people for, because I know the composer... This guy called Kevin Purcell, who I think has done a lot of sort of MDing work on the West End, but is also a composer in his own right. He'd written this show, and I don't know if it's because of COVID or just because they wanted to see if they could. Mm. They were like, we're going to do a musical on VR. So it was a very interesting rehearsal process because it was kind of rehearsed like a film almost. I say having done no film work, <laughs> but that's what I've been told from other people yeah. um, who've done film. So I went in, recorded my songs, and then had to... We blocked the whole show, but it was kind of... We did one pass at it, and then they would film the blocking. Mm. So we didn't really have to learn that much. It was just kind of like, just know where you have to be mm. and say the line at the right time. And then after we'd done that, I went back into the studio and ADR'd all my lines. So you go into the recording studio and basically do a lip sync of, not a lip sync, you recreate the same vocal patterns with a high quality audio as you had in the room. Mm. There we got into the studio, uh, strapped on a a big old motion capture suit. Like little bubbles and everything. Yeah, with the dots and everything. So it was like, sorry, I'm doing lots of visual stuff. This is not (laughs) helpful. Basically you had a, a sensor on sort of every joint that moves. So I had some of my fingers, like on my elbows, like um, all over my body. And then you do one take as like a body capture Mm. where you would go through, they only um, motion captured the songs, the rest, they were just going to animate through the the videos of the blocking that they captured. Right. Right. Um, But they would motion capture all the songs. So you do a take of it or a few takes of it uh, with the motion capture suit. And then you would sit in front of a camera and the camera had an app that yeah. would like put that sort of meshing thing on your face, yeah, yeah, yeah. which had like different joins for all the stuff. And then you do a face capture of the song. Right. So it was essentially like a lip sync performance, but it picked up every minuscule movement, Oh wow! which was, yeah, it was bizarre, but you could actually see what you're doing as well. So it was a little bit off putting. It took me, a, <laughs> took me a little while to get used to it, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very, very interesting process. So I'm really, I'm really curious to see how it turns out. So it hasn't come out yet? No, uh, I think because I have to animate the whole thing. Oh, Because it's essentially like an animated movie, but right. done on VR. But so to, to watch it, people will have to be in VR or it'll be like I think movie. there'll be, there'll be an option, um, where you can kind of sort of move around, but you just won't like... 
I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's sort of like you can sort of drag the mouse around and look oh, around okay, and things like okay, that, okay. but you can, like, the idea is that you do do it in VR. That is pretty cool. Yeah, and you can sort of wander off from the story if you want and go yeah. climb a tree or go look in the house and then sort of come back to it. Love that. Which is, yeah, the, kind of bonkers. Potential but... future of, of some kind of performance anyway, yeah. that's for sure. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, to, thanks so much for coming on, Sam. Now, a quick plug of American Paris. Where is it playing? What, how long is it on for? Uh, so it's playing at the State Theatre at the Art Centre Melbourne. Uh, we have just opened last night and we are playing till the 23rd of April. So it's not a very long season. So oh, get in quick. Yes, get a wriggle on because it's very, very amazing. Yeah, and I'm seeing it tomorrow night and cannot wait. Thanks so much for coming on, Sam. Really appreciate your time and all the best with the rest of the run. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hughes Interviews. Uh, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, tell all your friends. It helps me reach a wider audience and uh, gets the stories about Australian theatre and creatives out there. Have a great day, evening, whatever time it is you're listening to this. Thanks again for listening.